We are in Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 7. We're almost done. We're almost done with this book. I was doing a, I was doing a, um, it's interesting how God works out these kinds of things, but I started, the, we started the podcast last Wednesday for the radio station, and we're in the book of Romans, so all of this is very fresh. We're going we're gonna to go through the book of Romans, and I told uh, Pastor Randy, I said, hey, we've been going through the book of Romans, we're in chapter 15, we're almost done. He said, well, you're going to start over with me, so... Uh, I'll start over again and get some more understanding, but the book of Romans is a good book. It's one of those books that uh, we all need to grasp and need to continually read because it's a very good uh, Christian living book. But we're going to be in chapter 7, or chapter 15, verse 7. i got to go start this over here. So, 15, verse 7, uh, my Bible says, the gospel for Jews and Gentiles alike. So basically what we can, we, can, we can grasp from this is that the gospel does not have any binds of gender, any binds of religious background, any binds of anything like that. Jewish and Gentile, Paul is, Paul is slamming in the face again this mentality of, clean and unclean you know the Jews the Jews were the ones who had the gospel the Gentiles weren't worthy of the gospel and so Paul is saying here in this we're going to be looking at this but he's basically saying that it's for everyone and that can go for today you know it's for everyone it's for that person down the street we're talking about the homeless it's for those people it's for us it's for it's for little children it's for elderly it's for those who are less fortunate those who have a lot of money it's for everyone every walk of life and that's basically what Paul is going to be talking about here starting in verse 7 he says therefore welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed us for the glory of God now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this reason I will acknowledge you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name he also says rejoice O Gentiles with the people and again praise the Lord all you Gentiles let all the peoples praise him and again Isaiah says there shall be a root of Jesse, he who shall raise the arise and reign over the Gentiles, and him shall in him him shall the Gentiles hope, in him in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that, that we're able to stand here and sit here today and be able to learn of you without any threat of persecution. Father, I just pray that this word would find root in our heart, and Lord, that we would apply it to our lives, and Lord, we thank you for that and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, 
to know the understanding and the background of Paul, Paul, if you haven't watched the podcast yet, Paul was come from a long line of Pharisaic tradition, meaning that his father, his grandfather, and generations ahead of him were all in the Pharisaic tradition. So he started off his life learning the Pharisaic tradition. In Later in life, he went sent to Jerusalem to learn under Gamaliel, who was the most prominent Jewish rabbi, one of the most prominent Jewish rabbis of that time. So I say all that to say that Paul, in, in ministering here in the Old Testament to the New Testament church, he has an understanding of what the word is talking about, what is, what's in the scripture to understand, to say that the Gentiles are also part of the church, or can be, by, through, through Jesus Christ. Now, Tarsus was not a Jewish city. Tarsus was a Gentile city. It was also one of the most, um, was most, the most influential trade city of that time, in the, uh, of that time, and it had a university in there, which also, the university brought diversity, it brought different cultures, it brought different things. So Paul understood not only Jewish tradition and Pharisaic tradition, but also the Gentiles in a certain way. I know when he was probably learning, he probably didn't have anything to do with the Gentiles because of the Pharisaic tradition, but he understood more than I think that people gave him credit for in this kind of thing. He's basically saying here that, he says, therefore welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed us for the glory of God. Welcome one another. It doesn't say welcome the Jew. It doesn't say welcome the Gentile. Welcome one another. So he's saying here that a Gentile can be a Christian and we're to welcome them. A Jewish person, an Orthodox Jewish person, can become a Christian and we're to welcome them. We're to welcome all. He says, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. Again, we know Jesus came to fulfill the law. Paul is reiterating this again. And he is saying that Jesus came to fulfill what was promised to the patriarchs. Fulfill the promise of the patriarchs that all would come to know Jesus. If we are not of Jewish descent, we are Gentiles. We're Gentiles if we're not of Jewish descent. Thereby, if this understanding had not been made known, we wouldn't be here today. We would be nothing because we would be Gentile. But because of Paul, because of Paul's conversion, because of the way Paul uh, was converted and, 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 and gave himself to the Lord in, in ministry and in life, we're here today in this very church. Gentiles sold out and loved Jesus Christ because of Paul. If Paul would have never existed, we wouldn't be here. Or if Paul never would have 
came to know the Lord, we wouldn't be here today. But Paul did. And then Paul goes in. See, Paul uses a lot of um, Old Testament remembering back for the Jewish people so they understand where he's coming from. See, because Jesus dealt with this when he was alive. He was saying things and doing things, and he was quoting Scripture, but they didn't get it. If they'd have gotten it, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. But they didn't get it. So he had to speak to them through the Old Testament teachings because that's what they knew. So Paul's doing the same thing. He says... For this reason, I will acknowledge you, acknowledge you among the Gentiles. And I will sing praises to your name, he, say, he says, for it is written. He says, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, for it is written. For, the, for this reason, I acknowledge, you, I acknowledge you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praises to your name. Paul is saying that the, that the Gentiles have a right and have a reason to know God. He also says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. They're part of us too. We are part of the Jewish church. Now, there's a lot of things that go around about replacement theology. You ever heard about you ever heard of replacement theology? You know what that is? Replacement theology says that because Jesus came and died and fulfilled the law, the the church, the, the chosen people of God is no longer the Jewish people. It is now the Christians. That's replacement theology. Replacement theology doesn't have a leg to stand on with this particular passage of Scripture. Because Paul is acknowledging both the Jew and the Gentile. So we're all God's children. Israel is God's chosen people. But we can be grafted in, as it says, to be part of that as Gentiles. He goes on and says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. All the peoples. Us, Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people, Messianic Jewish people. All people praise him. That's why I like the praise time and the share time because we always have praises. We should be praising God. You know, we, we wake up in the morning and we get on our feet and we either stumble to get ready or we walk well enough to get ready. But we're walking and we're breathing and we're alive and that's enough to praise God right there. That's enough to praise God right there. The fact that you have the ability to breathe is enough to praise God there. And we should be praising God among, among the Gentiles, among everyone. God should know whom which we serve. Right? And people know who, who we serve by our attitudes, our actions, our ways of thinking, our ways of reacting, our ways of doing things. People know whom which we serve. Now we could say, I'm a Christian, and then we could be totally different than what people think Christians should be. Now, understand, uh, people's perception of what Christians should be sometimes are flawed. 
the, the, the perception of what a Christian should be should come from God himself. This is what God expects. And you know, we're only going to get what God expects if we put our head and our heart and our, and our face in the Bible. And we pray to God and we ask God. We're only going to get what God expects if we do that. Our own understanding of what God expects without consulting God can be flawed. It can be flawed. We could think God wants this out of us, but God might want something different. We just have to ask him. You know, people need to know whom in which we serve. And if we go on our daily life and we do things or say things that are contrary to the will of God, the word of God, the, the, the actions of God, if we do those things, what are we really saying? You know, we have bad days. I have bad days. I have good days, bad days. We all do. But if we're among people who don't know the Lord, and we don't, and we're ang we get angry, I get angry, and I make mistakes. I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but I'm saying we need to be aware. And if we say things or do things or react certain ways that cause issue, what does that say to those around us? What does that say about Jesus to other people? I'll tell you what it says. I can tell you, I can glean an understanding of what I think it says. They would say, well, he says he's a Christian and he talks like this or he reacts like this, so it must be okay to do this kind of stuff, to be a Christian. So I don't really have to change. I can just be myself and say, hey, I'm a Christian and I'll be okay. That's one reaction, one thought. Another thought would be, well, if, that, if he says he's a Christian and that's how he's acting, I don't want any part of that. That's a reaction too. Because people see what Christians are supposed to be like. And if we are separate of that, some people will say, well, if that's what he acts like as a Christian, I act better than he does or she does. I don't need to be a Christian. Same can be said about churches as a whole, you know. Christian church, if they act like that with each other, I don't want to go to that church. Man, if they don't like each other, what's the point of going to that church? I don't want to go in there and get be yelled at and hated or whatever the case, or not talked to or whatever. You see, actions, reactions, they say a lot about our relationship with God. They say a lot about our relationship with God. And I understand we have bad days, we have, we have good days and bad days, and we have problems. But the understanding is that when we sin, we go before God. And if we sin against someone that isn't a believer, it is, I feel in my own heart, my own opinion. It's not in Scripture, but my own opinion. If you sin against someone, the Bible says we're going to make it right with our brother first. That's a case that's always going to be there. If we say something or we do something that is, not con that is contrary to God, I think it is a requirement as a Christian to find that person and say, look, I was wrong. I am sorry. That is not at all, uh, that does not at all portray my life with the Lord and I was displeasing to the Lord and I ask for your forgiveness. That is almost, that to, to my mind, that's a requirement. And I've had to do that a few times. And it's not easy. 
But in my own heart, my own spirit, I believe that's a requirement. If we want people to understand who Jesus really is, that's a requirement. We're not perfect. And what that does when we say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, that just shows people that we're not perfect, but we're a work in progress, and God's working on us. That doesn't show them, oh, Jesus says it's okay to be mean. That just shows them that we're working on being better. We're working on growing in the grace and knowledge of God, which we should be doing anyway. Now, praise the Lord. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of trial, it's hard to have a smile on your face. But the, what can put a joy in your heart is the knowledge that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death in your life, whatever it might be, He is with you. That should put a joy in your heart. You might be going through something saying, oh, I'm going through this, but praise the Lord. He's with me and He's walking through it with me. Christians... It's said that they're the only, they're the only group of people, Christians, are the only group of people that kill their wounded. You know that? There's a saying that says that. And that's true at times. It's very true. We tend to, if somebody makes a mistake, there is a propensity in the spirit of man to rub their nose in it. And that's wrong. The Bible says we are to restore a brother or sister with meekness and long-suffering. That doesn't mean you stub their nose in it and you say, yeah, you were wrong. You're going to go to hell for that. Now, there, there is some, maybe there's some areas where, where discipline needs to happen, but you do it with love and meekness, and God will bless you for it, and God will restore that person over time. Then he goes on and he quotes Isaiah. He says, there shall, there shall be a root of Jesse. Who shall, who, he, he who shall ray, rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Jesus is our hope. He's our hope. The Bible says he is the hope of glory. He's the hope of glory. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our joy. He's our, our uh, comforter, our counselor. All of those things. He is our hope. We need to have hope. We need to grow in hope. Now, I'm a pretty hopeful person. At least I try to think I am anyway, right? We try to think, well, I'm, I'm pretty positive. You know, all of us could say that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. I have my days, but I'm positive. Don't you think we could grow? I know I can. Being positive. We can definitely grow on being negative. I mean, we can, definitely, we can definitely switch gears and be no more negative, right? That's easy, ain't it? Man, this is a horrible day. It's snowing out there. It's my luck. I'll go in a ditch. You know, you know, you know that, that's how negative we can be, you know. But positively, we think, well, it's snowing outside. Hey, at least we're getting some groundwater when it thaws. Not that that really matters or really care, but positive things. Positive things. Because 
you know, if we, if we think positively about things, our outlooks change. Now watch, I'll go in a ditch when I go, we'll go home. I'll, if you want me to drive and I'll go in a ditch. Just, just watch. That ditch right out there on the slab, I'll go, shoot, right in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, God, you know God, God desires for us to be hopeful people. You know, after all, you know, after all, you know, I said it before and I'll keep saying it. The, the very creator of the heavens and earth is on our side. You know? He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to kill you. He's on your side and that should bring us hope. That's why it says in the scripture, if God be for us, who can be against us? Because he's the creator of everything and he's for us. So he's going to watch out for our every need and our every desire and our every, not, not so much our every want, but our desire. And he keeps what's good for us in the forefront of his mind. And that's important to understand that. We might be going through something. We might be going through something pretty bad or we might have a good day. But I understand that in every single situation, God has his, your best interest, interest at heart, whatever that might be. Or there might be. God loves us. God ministers to us. God gives us the strength we need to do that which we're supposed to do. It might be some days the strength to do that which you're supposed to do is probably some days just getting out of bed and starting the day. You know? But God will give you that strength. He says in this the end of this chapter the end of this chapter, the section of the chapter kind of gives a benediction. It says, Now may the God of all of hope of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that last statement, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is a, is a key statement in that scripture. We can have hope in God. We can have peace in God. We can have joy in God only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to believe. The Holy Spirit helps us to build our faith. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to do that which we're supposed to do. If we try to have hope without God or joy without God, how long does that last? As soon as something negative happens, right? Somebody buys a great, nice car, new car, does it without talking to God, but buys a nice car, right? We've all done that. I've done that a few times. Buy a car without talking to God, and, and then you go off the lot, and two days later you wreck it. Did that before. Not two days, but I've done it before. Not so happy after that, because now I have to fix my vehicle. Happiness and joy without God only lasts as long as nothing negative happens. But joy and peace and hope through the power of the Holy Spirit will be there even if we have negative situations in our lives. Because we know that we know that we know that God is walking alongside of us even though things in our life don't seem to be going well. 
Paul gives this benediction in the hopes that they would take heart and go forward in their hope and peace and joy with God. Now may, may the God of all hope, King James I think says of all hope, fill you with all joy and, all, and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. Abounding in hope. You know? Jesus said that he came that we would, we would not have just, we wouldn't just live, we would, we would abound in life, we would have abundance in life, that we would really, 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 really live. Saying abounding in hope. We'd have so much hope in our life. We'd have so much hope in the things that we're doing that God is given glory for it. So important that we understand. We, 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 we need to strive. It's not easy to have hope in times of trouble. It's not easy to have to- hope when things are going bad for you or bad for me. Or It's not easy to have hope. You lose a job. You lose a relationship. You know, it's not easy to have hope. Wreck a car. Brenda knows all about the wrecking the cars. Not that you drive horrible or anything like that. Not saying that at all. But uh, we, we, we prayed about that for, for a while. So you know all about that. The hope has to be there in order to move forward. If we don't have the hope, we're going to dwindle away to nothing. Hope in, hope in a life with God is like when you go home on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday for lunch and you, and you got, you know, three-course meal, four-course meal sitting there. It's fried chicken, mashed potatoes, corn and green beans, maybe some carrots. Doesn't that sound good? Maybe some brown gravy. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds good to me. It sounds like KFC. I don't know if there's any KFCs, but it sounds good to me. Yeah, I ain't going all the way up there just for KFC. But, but uh, you know, the, that's kind of what hope is like you know when we think about hope that's kind of what it does to our spirit it nourishes our spirit just like food nourishes our body and it is a good thing hope is a good thing if we don't have hope we don't have much it is hope that you can be in a bad situation and know even if you don't get out of it, you'll still be with God. Hope is the knowledge that if you get out of it, the situation, you'll praise God. And those around you that see you can know that hope resides in you by your way you react, by the way you handle situations. And that's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else matters except hope. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy, peace, and blessing, and peace and blessing so that you may abound in hope. Drowned in it. Drowned in hope. So that you have a wonderful life even though things are going really good or really bad, you still can have a knowledge that God's with you. Amen? 
Does that make sense? That's kind of like an ending, kind of a, kind of look, that would be kind of a good ending point for this message, that scripture. Now may the God of all hope fill you, each and every one of you, with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Pray that you'd bless us today. Help us, Lord, to abound in hope when hope seems to be lost. Help us to find it. Help us, Lord, to to hold heavily to you that all hope would reign in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for these precious people. Pray that you'd be with them and minister to them. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Numbers, chapter 6, says this in closing. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is my prayer for you this week. That the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you be gracious unto you as you learn and you teach and you teach others. You know, we, we do teach others whether we believe it or not. We do teach those who we're around Everyone's a student. We're all a student of someone and we're all teaching someone. So we're all uh, very much a, a teacher. So may the Lord bless you this week that as you go in your daily life that others would know the Lord through you and through your life and through your, through your way of doing things. May he bless you as you read, as you pray. May he answer your prayer according to his will. May he bless you. Amen. Amen.